has reinforced any belief in, that I've had. It's the fact that things change quickly. Life changes quickly. Uh, if you remember back when we started this year, we were meeting in the storefront where we averaged 40 people in worship. And then things changed quickly, didn't it? Where everything shut down and, and we went virtual and we were all in our homes. And then things changed again where we moved into this building and we started worshiping again and we went from 40 to averaging 60 or 70 people. Things changed quickly. I've seen over the course of the year things change in my family from Lily growing, from Ann and I just changing as we grow. I've seen changes in you as you grow in your different areas of life. And I'm sure there's areas in your life that are, are changing that I know nothing about. But I do know one change that has happened to all of us, and, it's, and it happened at Christmas. It's the greatest game changer of your entire life. It changes the way you handle a promotion. It changes the way that you handle getting laid off or fired. It, it changes the way uh, that you handle heartbreak, relationship issues. It changes the way that you handle everything in life. Christmas changes it all. And that's what Joseph was getting ready to realize. Joseph marries a husband who she was betrothed, betrothed to, so not quite married in, in the married sense. They weren't living as husband and wives, but the paperwork had been signed. Uh, they were just waiting for the big day. Uh, Joseph finds out, or I'm sorry, Mary, if you remember to last week, finds out from the angel that she's going to have a son. She's going to be pregnant and have a son, uh, and Joseph and her haven't started living as husband and wife yet, wife yet, and so she's scared. She's nervous. She's probably wondering, who's going to believe me? And so where does she go? She goes from Nazareth up north down to Jerusalem, where she stays with her relative Elizabeth. If you remember, Elizabeth was her relative who, what we're told, was uh, well advanced in years. She thought to be a barren child, couldn't have children. And then God appeared to her through an angel telling her she's going to have a miracle baby too, and that baby would be John the Baptist. And so if anyone's going to be able to understand, if anyone's going to be able to relate, it's going to be Elizabeth. And so Mary goes up from up north down to Jerusalem for three months until John the Baptist is born. And then it's time to go home and talk to Joseph. And that's where we pick up. We're in Matthew chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 18. It's on page 8 or up on the screen. Here's what we're told. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph knew, or at least he did now, how quickly things can change. I kind of imagine, we don't know this, but I kind of imagine Joseph, knowing uh, Mary's coming back home after three months, uh, he's excited, he has a big smile on his face, all day he's thinking Mary's coming back. 
Maybe he went and got some flowers. He got all prettied up uh, after working in, the, in his carpentry shop. He's showered. He got ready. He's waiting for Mary to come home. And soon, as soon as he sees her, that excitement changes to disappointment. That happiness changes to a, a mix of hurt and anger as he sees the baby bump. Because Joseph could have been a nice guy, but Joseph wasn't naive. He knew that there was only one way that happened. Outside of this one incident, I mean, any other time, this would be a, a no-brainer what happened here. Mary changed her mind. Mary's feelings must have changed while she was down visiting some relatives. She must have cheated on her. Now she didn't, but it sure seemed that way. And notice what happened. Notice what happened to their relationship. There was a division, and then Joseph is getting ready to separate. Because that's the power of sin. Even just the perception of sin, because Mary didn't sin in this case, but just the perception of sin divided and separated. And that's your first point this morning, is that the power of sin divides and separates. And we see this in our life today too, don't we? We have Christmas plans. And Christmas plans change. Why? Well, because one family member says something offensive to another family member, and they're mad, and so sin divides and separates. And Christmas plans change. We see this in our relationships as a husband and wife, as they talk with one another, one, someone says something that hurts and it causes a division and separation. It's sin that divides and separates parents from children. It's sin that has divided our country. Sin causes, sin divides and then separates. Sin is what divides and separates a church family. Sin is what divides and separates parents in a parents group as they feel judged. Sin divides and separates. And that's what's happening with Mary and Joseph in this scene. Sin, or the perception of sin, divides and separates. And if that happens with human relationships, imagine what happens with our relationship with God. If, if sin divides and separates humans from humans just by one word or one action, imagine how sin divides and separates our relationship with God who sees every thought, who hears every word that comes out of our mouth, who knows every motivation of our heart. Sin has the power to divide and separate not just humans from humans, but humans from God. And that's what's happened. Here's what God says about the division in Isaiah uh, chapter 59. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. Think about what that verse is saying. On our own, without a mediator, 
without a go-between. Our sin has so separated us from God that He won't even hear our prayers on our own. That's how powerful sin is. Sin has divided and separated us from God. And we see this across the Old Testament, don't we? We see it right away in Genesis chapter 1. Adam and Eve sin, or uh, Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve sin, and what happens? God comes into the garden, and they run and hide. Because sin divided and separated them from God. But we probably see it most clearly with the temple. God set up the temple where there was the holy place, and then the most holy place. I think I have a picture for you. Let me see. Yeah, there we go. I think you can see that. So you'd enter this on the curtain on the right, and that would be the holy place. If you remember, Zechariah was offering incense. He was lighting incense to God uh, when the angel appeared to him. He's standing right at the entrance of that second curtain at that altar when the angel appeared to him. That curtain is blocking what's called the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant lived. In that Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments, and God said, in this room, I dwell. I live here. And notice what is separating that room from everything else. A big curtain. What is God symbolizing to the people? We are separated. Sin has divided and separated God from humans. And you can't just come into my presence because of sin. It's divided us and separated us. And so what was the solution? If people can't go behind the curtain, how do they get united with God? It was because of this that God set up the priesthood. The high priest who would every day offer sacrifices for the people. He would kill a lamb, a goat, or a bull and offer it to God as a sacrifice because of sin. It was the high priest's job to intercede through prayer on behalf of the people. This was his job. He was the go-between. And it's because of the high priest that that relationship was bridged. God and people were together. We get this kind of go-between, uh, an illustration of what this go-between looks like uh, in the movie Home Alone. If you remember at the beginning of the movie, there's that pizza scene, and, and Kevin, this bratty little spoiled kid, wants cheese pizza, and his brother Buzz eats the last piece, or at least he says he does. And what does Kevin do? He goes and he tackles Buzz onto the kitchen table and the, the two liter of cola spills everywhere and every, there's all this commotion going on and finally it all stops and they show the camera angle from Kevin's perspective and every single family member is looking at Kevin with disgust. Why? Because sin divided and separated them. There was only one person who was willing to talk to Kevin and deal with Kevin. And it was Mom McAllister. Mom stood in the middle and sent him up to his room. That is the picture of the high priest. 
He is the go-between between God and the people. He stands in the middle. The only problem? Hebrews tells us that the blood of bulls and goats can't pay for sin. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to pay for sin. And so that curtain remained closed. God promised He was with His people, but they were still separated. They were waiting for a greater high priest. And Joseph was about to hear He's coming to him. Here's what we're told. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph receives the wonderful news. Joseph, the, the child in Mary's womb, is from the Lord. In fact, he is the Lord. And Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. Think about it. What, what's it take to separate you from sin? What's it take to, to, to get your sins and remove your sins? You can't just take an extra 10-minute shower and scrub harder. You can't give an extra $100 in the plate and think your sins are going to be made up for. You can't do an extra 50 good works this week to make up for the 50 bad ones you did last week. That's not how it works. Sin clings. And so how does sin remove? It's only one way, and that is through the one who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, Jesus, God's Son. He, and He alone, has the power to remove or to divide and separate sinners from their sin. And that's your next point. Jesus has the power to divide and separate sinners from sin. Every mistake you've ever made, every sin you've ever committed, every embarrassing act that you've done or said, Jesus has separated you from it. It no longer clings to you. And he did it not through the blood of goats or bulls. He did it by offering himself. He stood in the middle as your great high priest between God and you and said, Father, I know that they sinned. Father, I know that it was their sin that has divided and separated you two. But here I am, I'm standing in the middle, and I'm offering myself as a sacrifice for their sins. Here's how 1 John puts it. He, that's Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Atoning sacrifice is a big word. It means it's, it's a, a sacrifice for payment, for reparations against, for damages done against God's holiness and justice. It's a payment 
for the damages done against God's holiness and justice. Jesus said, here I am. My blood shed for these people to make up and pay for their sins. And as Jesus hung from the cross, God showed that this payment was acceptable. Do you know how? you remember how? Jesus said from the cross, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And when he did, the curtain in the temple tore in two. No longer a separation between God and people. There was nothing any longer that divides you and separates you from God. All because of Jesus. We have another illustration from Home Alone. So in Home Alone, that pizza scene at the beginning of the movie is replaced at the end of the movie with the whole family running through the front door hugging Kevin. The looks of disgust were replaced with hugs as they mobbed Kevin at the front door. All smiles, all happiness. Now in this case, it's because they forgot him at home and they were happy that he was safe and sound. But in God's case, he runs to you just like Kevin's family to wrap his arms around you because there's nothing separating you from him anymore. Your sin has been completely removed and God is with you. This is the power of Jesus. Jesus has divided and separated you from your sin so that there's nothing in, your, uh, in the way of your relationship with God anymore. And now, God promises that He is with you. And that's your last point this morning. The power of Emmanuel unites God with us. The Old Testament prophesied that the, the child to be born, the Messiah to be born, would be called Emmanuel, which meant God with us. And that is what Jesus is. Emmanuel, God with us. And because He removed our sin, God is with us you and me. And that was the promise to Joseph. Joseph, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, your great high priest, is sitting at the right hand of God right now, interceding for you, and has given you access to God. And this is what completely changes your life. You have access to the God of this world. Jesus has bridged the gap. And so what does that mean for you? Because you have access to God through Jesus, when your hearts are brokenhearted because a relationship ends, when your hearts are broken because you can't get together with family this year, you have access to the God of all comfort because of Jesus. As uh, you contemplate the future and you're nervous and you're scared and you're filled with anxiety, because of Jesus, you have access to the God of this world who has control over all things. You do not need to be afraid. Emmanuel, God with us. As relationships are broken, and maybe it's because you did something, maybe it's because you said something, you know that you have access to God the Father because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, He announces to you that your sins are forgiven. 
sacrifice once for all. Because you have access to the Father, you have access to the God of all strength, who strengthens you to forgive the unforgivable, who gives you strength to humbly admit that you were wrong and apologize. You have access to the God who gives you all power, all strength, all wisdom, all grace. It's all yours because of Jesus who sacrificed himself for you. Joseph didn't have all the answers, but Joseph knew that God was with him. And so he could go and reconcile with Mary. He knew that things would be okay in the future because God with us. He knew that he had forgiveness in, in uh, Jesus because God with us. This is what we know too. And this is the joy of Christmas. Our great high priest was born into this world to sacrifice himself for our sins to give us access to God where he now intercedes for us every single day. And because of him, we can live with joy. Because of him, our lives have been changed because God with us. May this bring you joy this Christmas. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you. You were born into this world. Thank you that you've offered yourself as the atoning sacrifice for our sins to bridge the gap between us and God. It's because of you that our lives have been completely changed now and forever. Now we get access for everything that we need for this life. And we have access to the God and Father for eternity. It's because of you that we get to live forever in heaven. We thank you for interceding for us every single day. We thank you that you are at God's right hand and that you have given us access to his throne so we can come with confidence and live in confidence and joy. Be with us this Christmas and let us keep you as the reason for the season uh, because you are the great high priest. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Good job, Lillian. Uh, part of Christian worship is we get to say a statement of faith. We call a creed. And today we're going to say the, the Apostles' Creed, which was written around 100 A.D. It's written for two reasons. One, so that people knew what Christians believed. And two, parents used it as a way to teach their children the message of the gospel. And so we're going to say this.